Hello, Movie Marathoners, and welcome to the Movie Marathoners Sundance 5K series, a series of short episodes centered on the films released at the 2021 Sundance Film Festival. I'm your host, Monty, and in this episode, I'm joined by Diana Coronado from ScreenQ.com to review In the Earth. Diana, how are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. How's your festival been so far? We're kind of coming to the closing days. It's been great. The few movies I've been able to watch, I loved. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to be a part of this and just be in the fun with everybody. Awesome. Yeah, well, let's get straight into it then. Uh, just as a reminder, every Sundance 5K series episode will be completely spoiler free. And today we're talking about In the Earth. So first, a synopsis. As a disastrous virus grips the planet, yeah, this is a COVID movie, a scientist and a park scout venture deep into the forest for a routine equipment run. Through the night, their journey becomes a terrifying voyage through the heart of darkness as the forest comes to life around them. In the Earth stars Joel Fry, Elora Torchia, Reese Shearsmith, and Haley Squires. It is written and directed by Ben Wheatley. So Diana, I believe you saw this movie yesterday. I saw it, mm -hmm. I believe, yesterday as well, or maybe the day before. All the days blend together. But we've yeah. had a little bit of time to sit on it. So what are your thoughts overall on Into the Earth? Um, well, I wrote in my notes, dramedy example. Let <laughs> <laughs> me kind of explain why I say by that. So to me, this is a movie that kind of, it's good, but it's kind of meh after sitting on it for a couple of days. And I know some people really liked it. But I thought of, it reminded me of movies like, you know, The Babadook, um, Midsommar, Midsummer, however you say it, um, Hereditary, or other movies such as like The Invitation, those kind of cerebral horror movies. Mm -hmm. And um, it just wasn't that great. It was good. It was good. It, for the context of how they have to film it and their limitations of crew and location, and everything it was good but i don't think that people are going to quite understand that context of the movie as more time goes on so you know three four five years from now are they really going to remember that oh it was one location limited cast limited crew because mm -hmm. of the pandemic or are they going to remember oh this was kind of a okay movie yeah it's interesting to hear you say that because i think that you know generally speaking a lot of people are really positive about this film but I'm right there with you. I think I'm maybe even more negative than than you are, which it, it sounds like you're not negative. You're just not like, you know, screaming at the top of the hills about how great yeah. this movie is. <laughs> and I think what I really like about the film, I guess we can start there, is that it's got an atmosphere. Um, it's really beautiful to look at. I really like the the scenery and the forest and the director and the cinematographer. There, They do a really good job at capturing kind of like the spookiness of the forest and things like that. But then what happens in a lot of movies like this, where it's kind of this abstract horror stuff is it starts to devolve, I think towards the end. And there's not really like a point or that that's not true. There, there's definitely a point, but it sort of devolves into just beautiful nonsense is what I would call it. Like this really vivid and quick imagery and flashes of light and sound. And it's, overwhelming and the score is great but like none of it makes sense and it was just a little underwhelming for me by the end yeah um i felt exactly the same way it's beautiful i think there's some parts that are really cool but um i, I think i wrote dramedy because it reminded me of those dramedies from like 
2015, 2016 in the sense that you have, you know, drama slash comedies from like 2007, 2008 that were really good and they were really well made. I'm thinking of like Juno or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of get diluted and diluted and then you get some indie movies. They're just not a comedy, not a dramedy. They're just something in between. They're not that great and they're not, they're okay, but they're not something I see. Know, to write home about. So you're you're not saying that this is a dramedy. You're saying that it's kind of like a, a blend of things. Is that Yeah, what like saying? a combination. So mm-hmm. movies like, uh, especially the Babadook, that's the one that I always think of, is like very cerebral. They're kind of metaphors for something else. I mean, you could argue horror movies are a metaphor. <laughs> They're always a metaphor right. for something else, but like very kind of heavy handed in this very well sense. And it just kind of felt like it was diluted. Like that sort of trend in movies kind of got diluted into this, which is I see. It's still good, but it's not great. There's some horror movies that really, really make you think and they're really cool and really pretty to look at. And I think this was kind of trying to do that and it didn't quite make it that way, but it's still good. I think there's some aspects um, near the end, especially with the, like the sound aspect. I really, really like that. And I thought they could have just hammed that up and just go weird, just do like a witchy synthy score and mm-hmm. just ham up that part. And I think that would have been really cool because I, I really enjoy how, I mean, this is spoiler free, but there's like this big sound enema element at the end of the movie or near the third act of the movie, which is very cool because you get that, comparison between the trees and nature and this very very synth score and i if they would have just hammed that up it would have been so much fun i mean that's definitely part of the atmosphere that i was talking about that like you get some of that and i just felt that none of it came together in any meaningful way like it was like i it was sort of like watching something just for the sake of watching it and i do think that there are movies that i like that can fall into that type mm-hmm. of category where you're sort of just watching chaos or I, I feel like a lot of critics have said that this film is a trippy mind bend and blah, blah, blah. And that's fine. Um, for me, that's not enough to make a movie. And I need there to be a coherent plot and a coherent structure. And I need the film to have rules and logic. And I don't think this film has any of that. And for the first half, when they're keeping you in the dark, I think that's OK. I think it's okay to not reveal what's going on for a large portion of the film if the film is engaging. And I, you know, you mentioned a couple films like Midsommar and uh, The Babadook and It Follows and all of those, they keep you in the dark about what's actually going on. But then eventually you get a relatively explicit explanation of what's going on. And then you get the stakes and the rules and this is what this person is doing. This is what this person is doing. And I feel like none of that is in this movie. It just sort of starts screaming colors at you. And that just kind of pissed me off at the end a little bit, I, I would say. Yeah. What's that Nicolas Cage movie? Uh, the Color Out of Space? Is that what it's called? I haven't called? seen it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. That, I feel like it's very similar in that aspect. And the visuals are done better. And I think the music's kind of done better. And overall, I think this is now thinking through it. Like, this is the closest thing that I can come up with. And even though how much I hated Colorado Space because I'm a <laughs> gore and bloody person, I just don't like that. I, I think that one's actually like a better version of what this movie was trying to be. Mm. And I'm not trying to like, you know, shit on this movie. <laughs> but like, because it's a solid movie. It's a well done movie. Um, there's some aspects of it that are really, really good. 
Um, but overall, I had to rewind the like the last dialogue a couple of times to like understand that. Then I had to put the captions on to understand what she was saying because <laughs> it was very <laughs> soft for me. And once I did, I was like, oh, that's that's it. OK, I guess, you know, I'll go on through my day. And this is I'm not going to think about this maybe for like a little bit because it's not, you know, it's a solid seven. It's not great, but it's not bad either. I felt the same way I felt about Free Fire, his other yeah. movie. That's the other thing. I've never really connected with the Ben Wheatley film so far. Mm-hmm. I've only seen a couple of them, but I thought Free Fire was also just a little incoherent. And maybe that says something to just my sensibilities and what I prefer from a film. But in the same way that Free Fire kind of doesn't lay out its groundwork for me to appreciate what's going on, and it sort of just feels like, stuff starts happening. This film is very similar in that I care about these characters a little more, I would say, than the Free Fall characters or Free Fire characters, but I just don't really appreciate anything that's happening because I don't know what it means for these characters and or what it means for the earth that they're on or anything that's really going on seems just nonsense. And it's exacerbated by the fact that none of these characters are particularly intelligent, in my opinion. Like, they do some really dumb stuff. And I hate when that happens in a horror movie where I can't relate with the character because I'm like, don't do that. Why are you going there alone? Why are you confused that something's been knocked over when you're being chased by a scary person? Like, that's definitely a trap. What are you... Just some stuff like that, I think, is really wonky in this film. There were definitely some character decisions that I kind of... I kind of just scratch my head out um one of them being they were too civil they were always like too civil about what was going on maybe it's the british maybe it's the british they were like <laughs> let's give let's give this thing the benefit of the doubt maybe and it was you know you know up until like almost the third act i mean i don't know how i would react in that situation but it's it reminded me of like that standard that cerebral films have or cerebral horror films need to have where the protagonists always are kind of smart. They always do the smart mm-hmm. decision where it has some more like slasher films. And I'm thinking of like the wrong turn series. <laughs> like, you know exactly what's going to happen. These people are not going <laughs> to do the right thing. And I, I wish, yeah, I wish they would have been smarter. Also, when I was watching it, I started having this weird conspiracy theory about the film. Yeah, let me know if you notice this at all. But there's a big thing that happens to one of the characters. There's a big plot element, I know, throughout the film that just keeps getting worse and worse. I think I know what you're talking about. Oh, yes. Um, I hope you know. Yeah. And (laughs) when that happened, I swear I saw um, one of the actors turn, like, off camera and say, like, do you have something, like, talking to the camera? And I was like, oh, was that meant to happen? Was that in the script? And then I thought, I'm like, well, if that thing didn't happen, would the plot be the same? And, and there's been some changes, but I'm like, the plot is essentially the same if that thing didn't happen. So my weird conspiracy theory is that that happened to that actor and they just wrote it in the script because they thought it might be good. <laughs> so <laughs> you're referring to the part where a character gets injured, right? Yes, because yeah. his reaction is like, the, the reaction of the other character, like, there's a split second where she looks off camera and she looks for somebody else who's not there and says something like, do you have something? 
No, I haven't rewatched it, but I know that's stuck in my head. I might be completely wrong. And this is just like, <laughs> there's no basis for this theory. You know, I <laughs> I swear that happened. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I don't know. I I had to watch this film twice or like once and a half yeah. because the first time that I started it, it was really late and it was like not a reflection of the film's quality yeah. whatsoever. But I was like, I, I need to stop this and just rewatch it in the morning. Yeah. And so when I rewatched the second time, the the incident that you are talking about is set up in the very first scene of the film. Now, that's not to say that yeah. they didn't just go back and do that because they knew that the person was going to get injured. Um, and, you know, I mean, like completely different film, but in Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, Shia LaBeouf breaks his arm and they put that into the movie. So it's possible. But um, I, I do feel that this is a little bit too controlled of a film for them to yeah. do that. I don't know, though. I don't know. Maybe I, I, I probably like I'm 90 percent I'm wrong, but like it stuck with me. <laughs> and I, I wanted to rewatch it this morning to make sure that I was right, that I had evidence for this baseless theory. <laughs> but I didn't have time. So if anybody notices that or if anybody sees what I saw. <laughs> OK, well, this could all be a giant conspiracy. Who knows? Either way, I mean, I think, you know, the film definitely has some rewarding aspects. And I think that a lot of people really like it. So if this seems like the type of film that is like right up your alley, it's bizarre. It's um, kind of assaults you with all senses. And that's about it. But, you know, check it out if that seems interesting to you. Yeah, it's a beautiful trippy about a forest. <laughs> so to close us out, Diana, since we're the Movie Marathoners podcast here, I've been asking marathon related questions. So my question for this film for you is if you had to run a marathon and you had to either listen to the sounds in the film or watch the imagery, the the strobe light imagery of the film during the marathon, which one would you choose? Oh, definitely the sounds. I love the sounds. So I'm not saying like the soundtrack. I'm saying like the weird synthy bombs and stuff in the end. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just making I'll, sure. I'll still pick that. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel, I guess you could get into like a rhythm Absolutely, with that. 100%. Um, and you could probably zone it out, you know, like white noise after a little while if it gets too sick. So yeah, I that's probably like the best pick. I feel like would go into sort of trance and just kind of <laughs> yeah. go through some weird experience. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Diana, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, where can people find your work online? Yeah, definitely. Um, I am the founder, creator, developer, everything behind ScreenQ.com. Um, it is a free service where anybody can go in and set up text message reminders for upcoming or already released movies. It is free to use. There's no ads, no spam, no sign up. Just verify your phone number and everything is anonymous. So, Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. This has been a Movie Marathoner's Sundance 5K series episode reviewing In the Earth. Be sure to stay tuned for more Sundance coverage. You can find all of our Sundance 5K series and the main feature episodes of Movie Marathoners, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, at our website, evergreenpodcasts.com slash movie marathoners, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and remember that life's a marathon, so let's take it one movie at a time.
Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotas, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripotis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.